All right, everyone. Hello and welcome to the second episode now of the third season. We made it this far and I'm very impressed by that. And I want to thank all the listeners who have subscribed to this podcast. It's great to see that people actually actually appreciate this, the people I'm talking to and what I'm talking about. And I think that if you can find some value from this podcast, then it's surely going to change your life. But it's not because of me, it's because of my wonderful guests. And today I have a new guest, a woman named Lisa. Uh, she's, coming from me, uh, to, she's coming to me from Toronto, Canada. Is that correct? That's right. Awesome. So how are things over there? <laughs> they're, they're, uh, they're good. They are, I guess, similar to how they are around the world. <laughs> well, there's a commonality of experience that we've not experienced globally before so um i i would imagine yeah. they're similar right yeah it's uh, it's pretty uh, it's pretty insane what's been going on this last year like things have been changing really rapidly i mean when we it it doesn't perhaps feel like that when we look in hindsight because we're, we're like used to the process but if we just compare like today with like 10 months ago 12 months ago whatever it's such a huge difference and uh, it's pretty interesting to be a part of this um, this year as well because this year well has been uh, very interesting not only because it's, there's been a pandemic which has been a horrible thing of course but there's been so many other things going on and i think that these are really challenging times and we get to as humanity connect more with each other uh, and help each other out and I think that's an extremely important thing. And that's, that's at least one thing that I've noticed coming from this pandemic thing. How do you feel about it? Yeah, it's interesting. I have um, friends and colleagues from around the world. And for the first time ever, when we are talking over Zoom, like everyone else these days, um, yeah. we are, we, there is commonality in what we are discussing and or there's a commonality to the experience that yeah. we are going through. And while right. it's different in the details of it, there is some similarity there. And so there's, I think, by the mere fact of, as you said, having that common place to come from, there's a sense of mm -hmm. connection there. I think there's a sense of unity uh, right. that it's almost like a shared experience that the whole, the whole planet is actually experiencing and going through together yeah. in different right. ways, but certainly together. Right. Unfortunately, it has to be something like this that connects us. That's a bit of a shame, um, but still it's a great lesson though. And um, you, usually like when we look at other countries, when we look at other people in the world and this, we, we usually divide things pretty automatically we say like this is the country with this this is a country with that you know it's all divided but now suddenly there is like you said a commonality that puts us together that makes us feel like we're all in a dangerous situation and a very crucial situation as well because it's only when we're in these rough situations that we get to test ourselves as an individual and as a collective and um, it's quite interesting to see how people react to it. 
not only how the media reacts to it, well, I have my opinions on that. I don't really want to go into that, uh, but how people individually react to it. And people can sometimes respond in great fear or they can also see it as an opportunity. And the side, the path that we choose to take right there depends on many factors. Of course, it's a very complex matter, but still it, um, it leaves some room to actually observe ourselves in a situation we're perhaps not used to. And not everyone goes into a situation they're not, they're not used to. This time we're kind of forced by it, by the external. And then we really, we get to perhaps see more of who we are. Yeah, you're bringing up a really great point. And, um, you know, as I look back on the year, I look at it as, at, I look at it as fruitful ground for practicing um, managing stress, managing overwhelm, managing fears, managing all of those emotions that tend to um, have us react versus um, choose from a creative and resourceful part of ourselves on how mm -hmm. we want to move forward, right? And so um, uh, even for myself as someone who has been in um, the coaching world in the personal development world in the leadership world um, mm. for decades now, um, I saw my ups and downs during this pandemic and continue to do so. And so, you know, part of what I am doing with my clients is normalizing that um, through mm. understanding how our brain works because right. so much of what's happening is very difficult for our brain to process, especially right. when there's so much uncertainty. And so I, I totally agree that um, there is choice there. There's, we're always at choice, even when it comes to our brain, right? Because it, it's constantly changing. Uh, yes. There's this beautiful thing called neuroplasticity that allows us the opportunity to change and evolve and grow till the day we die. Um, and yet, by understanding how the, our brain looks at the world, we start to really have an interesting lens of looking at this pandemic, which is mm. the fact that our brain, one of its major functions is to look for risk and to maintain our safety, whether it be physical, livelihood, a psychological, all of it. And so this pandemic, when it hit and so quickly changed all of the things that we just held as true and certain to a certain degree were turned on their mm -hmm. head. And so it's normal for us to have our ups and downs, to have our moments of frustration and sadness and even anger. Um, and there's an opportunity to normalize it, to say, yeah, I get it and get ourselves to a place where we can be a bit more resourceful and creative, uh, but not make yeah. those emotions wrong because it's a normal human reaction to what we're going through. Absolutely. Yeah, it is a normal reaction because we, like you said, we are in essence programmed for survival with homeostasis and, and everything. And there's this natural drift to want to go into safety. And that's always the number one priority. I mean, we cannot skip steps. We got to focus on our survival. We got to keep this 
body alive. We got to keep our every the people around us alive. And so obviously the natural reaction, the natural negative emotion, I don't even want to call it negative. I just want to call it natural instinct. Mm -hmm. That thing really drives us to set the base. And then from there, we can build on top of that. And it's like that really all the time in life. I mean, we need our we need to survive. And it's just a question of how prepared are we? You know, how, how prepared are we? Are we if this risk is coming, if this uh, sudden happening happens, and we don't know how to handle it. So having a strategy always is crucial. You mentioned something there about um, the neuroscience of change. And uh, that was very interesting. Is this something and you also mentioned something about clients and coaching? Um, is that something you perhaps would like to connect? Do you coach? Do you do life coaching in a certain field? Or is it general life coaching? Or would you mind explaining a little bit about what it is that you do? Yeah, so I work typically with uh, leaders in the corporate world. So we're developing their leadership. Um, and certainly, it's never always just about business. Life comes into leadership coaching as well. Um, and we look at when I'm coaching um, a leader, uh, we're looking at it through the lens of the brain. That's one of the lenses we, we use. Um, yeah. How do people behave um, based on um, the brain? Um, how best to interact with people? How, to make, how do we make decisions? What are biases that our brain sees? unconsciously. I mean, it's such a rich area, um, not only from a leadership perspective, but from a from just a normal life perspective. Um, but there's this space of neuroscience has grown so much over the last few years, the technology has finally allowed us to really look at and understand how humans react to different scenarios. And, yeah. and, and how do we actually you know, move change forward. And so it's a really exciting way of looking at human behavior and looking at personal development and, and professional development as well. Absolutely. Yeah, that's an extremely interesting field. And so when you have the, you told me you do leadership coaching, is that a special type of coaching? Is it like for leaders or how to be, or is it more focusing on a certain avatar of people or how does it work? I don't really know much about leadership coaching. Yeah, so um, there's a couple of different things, but I, I tend to work with um, leaders that are heading up either departments or companies um, in business. And they... <laughs> might have come from a place of uh, being quite successful at doing the work and now they're put in a place of actually leading a team and that's very different um, skill set than being good at what you do right uh, and right. so i work with those those um, leaders who are kind of new to, le to leadership i also work with a very seasoned leader um, corporate executive who so my there's a couple of different uh, things right so there's there's the corporate executive leader who's just looking to up level their leadership um they want to bring mm -hmm. neuroscience into it they want to fully understand some of the behaviors and some of the ways to um empower and uh, support their team in an effective way 
And so they'll come mm-hmm. to me for that. Um, and then there's the uh, leader that has had success and have come to a point where they look up and look around and decide that they don't want more of the same. Somehow mm-hmm. over the process, while they've got all the external um, things that we're told will bring us happiness, like a large, a high salary, um, a senior title, a big home with an expensive car in the driveway. They attain all of that and look around and say, I got all this and I'm not happy or I'm not fulfilled or I'm not really connected to the impact that I'm having. And so um, a lot of the people that I'm working with now are in that space. They have success. They've climbed the corporate ladder Um, let's say, and uh, they have awoken to, oh my goodness, if the next 10 years looks like this, I'm not, I'm going to regret it. And that's when I come (laughs) in. Oh, oh, extremely interesting. Um, And it's cool that you're focusing on, you know, the workplace and uh, the people who are like climbing the corporate ladder. And when they realize this thing that this path of success or whatever that they were striving for that perhaps thought was going to make them happy. As you said, it perhaps they realized they did not become happy. And uh, that's a huge realization. And then you come in and you help them. That's great. Uh, and the first thing you talked about with the, um, the people who want to understand the neuroscience behind it, like, do you do like fMRI scans and stuff? Or is it that you teach them the theoretically about it or yeah so i'm not a researcher um so i don't do any of the fmri uh, studies um what i do i'm a certified neurotransformational coach and continue to be trained on the neuroscience as it pertains to coaching specifically and leaders Mm -hmm. specifically and so i use the research that um others researchers, the Neural Leadership Institute um, in the States, um, some of the research that comes out of uh, those avenues, and I apply them to the scenario that the leader is uh, dealing with. I also do workshops for corporations to understand your brain at work, um, as well as how to become a phenomenal uh, leader, understanding how our brain collaborates and perceives risk and perceives um, a positivity. So uh, it's from that lens. It's one of the lenses, certainly, that I that I apply with clients, both corporate and individual. I see. Wow. Cool. And um, let, let's say that now you don't have to do this if you don't want, but let, let's say that I'm a potential client. Okay. I've, um, I've got a really great job. Uh, I, I feel like there is something missing in my life though. You know, I feel like I, I haven't really reached perhaps what I want and I don't really know what it is that I want. I'm feeling, feeling confused and I don't know how to progress further in my life. Where do you come in there and how do you work through that client? How do you get to know that client? Yeah. So, um, what we tend to do is start with an assessment of what's working and what's not working at work. Um, we start getting very clear about um, the impact that they want to have 
uh, in their life and in their work. We kind of take a step yeah. back because we can get very lost in the day-to-day minutia of what's happening, the challenges and struggles that are facing us today in this current environment. Um, and so one of the first steps we do is actually to step back so that we can see a bigger picture and really become clear about what is our work view? What is it that we believe work is for? What do we want it to be for? If we fast mm. forward um, whatever n- number of years, um, you know, depending on the age of the client, and they're at their retirement or they're at um, closing this chapter, what do they want to be said about them? Mm. What do they want? What legacy do they want to leave behind? Um, as it pertains to their life, as it pertains to their work. And sometimes it's hard to do that when you're just in the day-to-day details of whatever you're facing. And so one of the first steps yeah. is just taking a step back and 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 really broadening your, your view because there's so much we can learn, even from the studies of um, individuals that are dealing with... Um, are very close to death, right? We, we There's so many studies mm-hmm. around um, what do people regret? What do they wish they had done? And so to fast forward and look at your life and look at your work from that lens kind of takes away the noise and um, brings a bit more clarity around what are you up to and what do you want to be up to? Yeah, exactly. And uh, like you said there, we get so perhaps stuck in the in the micro that we forget to take a step back and see the bigger picture. And um, the ability to be able to do that, I mean, people, they don't know how to do it. It's a, it, it might sound easy, like, oh, you just take a step back and look at your life. It, it's not that easy. There, you, you need like 100% self, um, how do you say, like self, uh, you need to be open-minded to yourself. You need to be honest, self-honesty. And it's very difficult to be honest with yourself because we don't want to see these uh, limiting beliefs that we have. We don't want to face them because if we face them, we are really facing ourselves. And it feels like this identity that we're trying to hold, this person that we're really so desperately trying to be, perhaps is not always going to be there. We are able to change. And we just got to be willing to make that change and to take those steps. So that it sounds extremely interesting, Lisa. And I, I wonder what are the results that you see from this? Yeah, it, it varies on the on the person. So I mean, this is based um, also on on my own personal story of having uh, built businesses and worked in the corporate re- world for twenty years and um, was quite successful by external measures. And um, Mm -hmm. one day realized that I didn't want my boss's job. And um, if I fast forwarded five years or 10 years, I would be even more miserable than I was. And for me, the answer was I left. I actually um, decided to leave my corporate gig. Um, For most of my clients, that's not what they do. But there's a process of looking at what's working and building on that, looking at Mm -hmm. what's not and making small steps towards changing that. 
sometimes the mind shift yeah. change like sometimes as you're mentioning you know it sometimes it's about what we're placing focus and attention on other times it's mm. about that little thing we know we need to do but have been putting off sometimes for years um and sometimes yeah. we don't even know we're putting it off until someone says hey have you thought of doing this or you've mentioned this a few times but you haven't taken any action on it what's going on there um, mm. and then, uh, a lot of other times, uh, in addition to all that, it's about bringing things into our life overall, starting these little, um, whether they're movements or projects or initiatives that we really feel aligned to that make our life mm -hmm. richer. Um, and yeah. so it comes in, it comes in so many different uh, flavors and varieties, depending on what the particular person is going through in the in the moment. But um, it's not an overnight kind of thing. You certainly can have some insights and transformation and clarity um, as you start looking here. But this is a process mm. that takes that takes some time. Like change takes time. It, it's not an overnight process. Right. Exactly. And uh, also a thing about change, like especially from within and when it comes to changing your mindset and getting these insights, they are not so concrete. You know, they, they are perhaps sometimes very difficult to capture. They're very difficult to make sense of because even if we have like a, a realization, we need to be able to process that realization as well. We, we need to make it tangible. We perhaps need to make it into a sort of action steps. That's the way at least that I always view it. If I have something that I want to change, first I need the realization that I need to yeah. change in some aspect that I find is not working. And that can come in many ways. Um, but then I need to make something concrete out of it. Like, all right, so how can I take the first tiny, tiny bit of action towards this thing, this thing that I just realized? If that means that perhaps I have to pause five minutes a day and just think about a certain thought, then that's what's going to happen. I don't know if that will actually help me. I'm not sure. But at least there's a little bit of a change. And I'm trusting the process at the same time. And that will take me to the next step and the next step. And eventually, hopefully, I'll reach the certain outcome that I was looking for. Is that a sort of is that what you mean when you say taking small steps or is there any other thing that you had in mind? Yeah, it's, I love, I love what you're saying. Um, you know, it does have to start with awareness and typically um, often you'll have someone come and they blame the exterior situation for what's going on. And so the first mm. process is to see what can we change and what can't we change? What's in our control and out of our control in terms of the things that are out of our control, our work is to um, is the process of letting go. It's the process of acceptance yeah. and embracing what is in that moment and knowing that we just can't change that piece of it. And then looking to what mm. is it that we do have influence over? Um, what is it that we can persuade or nudge? And look at our appetite to do that. Because sometimes we've got influence, we've got an ability to influence something, but we don't have the appetite to do it. So um, right. looking at 
our appetite to actually make a change in that space. And looking at uh, the step that I would add to your step right before deciding on the tiny step that you want to take, and you're absolutely right, we know change happens through mm. tiny steps and not massive steps. We know that from research mm -hmm. now, um, is to look that for the progress that you're already making in that place. What I find mm -hmm. is that too often we believe that we're starting from zero and that is almost never mm. the case. And the reason why we start yeah. by looking at what is working, what is it that we can build on, is that it actually puts our brain in a state, a towards state and a state of openness creativity and innovation. If on the yeah. other hand, we're looking at what's not working, we're in an away state. And that, that actually mm. um, hinders our ability to both make changes, to look at possibilities and to vision a um, preferred future. So that's what Start with right. what are you? What is going on? Even if it's the slightest thing, and even if it's, even if we're at zero, like not it's horrible. Then, yeah. Then what is it that you're doing that's allowing you to cope with this? Look at that because the coping is a positive. Your ability to cope with it, mm. your ability to handle it, is also a positive. Oh, I see. Wow, that's very, very interesting. Exactly, like not starting from zero. We're, we're not starting from zero. We, we have resources and we have perhaps made progress within that certain thing already. We just don't know about it or we're not aware of it. Uh, and being able to see that is an extreme power. It kind of reminds me of when you write a business plan, you write your strengths, weaknesses, opportunities and strengths. I mean, when you look at that, you already see that you have a strategy, even though you perhaps might not have started the business yet. You can already see that you have certain quote unquote yeah. weapons or yeah. tools that's already going to push you forward. Um, uh, wow, very interesting. And also one thing that got, I got reminded of there when you mentioned it is that the purpose that we set for the intended goal I believe also is of a crucial matter because sometimes we become ego oriented and sometimes we become mastery oriented and research has also shown that we are the most motivated and we do get the best outcomes when we are mastery oriented because then we're doing it for the process, the, the purpose of process, progress, uh, self-development and also joy. When it's the ego approach, it's about the external validation. And sometimes that's necessary to get the reward. We need the reward, you know, during the process as well. But we shouldn't be depending on it. We shouldn't depend on what the external is going to tell us. Because we have to also realize that there is no, the only pressure that's going on here is the pressure that I put on myself. And it does not even have to be pressure. It can just be like, if you do this, you've already, you're already plus one. Already a point is on your side there. So anything you do in, in, during the process is going to be great because you're always going to be evolving. Even if you might feel like you're failing, that's also in itself an evolvement because those uh, steps are necessary yeah. as well. 
would you agree on that point about yeah purpose? i absolutely agree and um what i would uh add to it from a neuroscience perspective is what you're doing when you are focused on the outcome alone is that you're delaying that reward system you're delaying it because mm. typically our goals are not, you know, my goal for tomorrow or my goal. It's like a goal that you're going to achieve sometime in the future. And typically it's months in the future, at least. And so you're delaying yeah. that reward system, which is so important to continue um, having you be motivated and engaged to get there. And so the shift mm. to actually putting your attention on the process, the growth, the day-to-day mm. -day small wins in the right direction reinforces the reward system in your brain that keeps you motivated and engaged forward so that you can achieve that potential outcome in six yeah. months, in nine months, in, in a year, right? But without those, yeah. without the vision that I like to call it a spotlight, without the spotlight being on what is it that I need to do today, the tiny little step and that celebration that, that yes, I did it, that sometimes it's that little check mark on your to-do list. Yes, I did this. Mm. That is actually um, from, a, from a brain chemical perspective, reinforcing that behavior the next day. So that's the neuroscience yeah. reason why you want to be focused on the little things on a day-to-day -day basis versus the big outcome mm. at the end of the year. Yeah. Wow. Great perspective there. And like, like you said, that it, like, we need to kind of rewire our own brains through the activities that we do. And unfortunately, there's also the opposite side of the coin. You know, when we don't uh, perhaps say do what we're what we say we're going to do when we push it forward, we're doing procrastination. That's also in, is, in itself a reinforcement because we are pushing away something that perhaps we're we 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 want to do. But, you know, it takes time and this and that. And there's all types of doubt, doubts. And that also rewards us because we're reinforcing this escape mechanism and um for people, that can be a very tough thing to deal with. Do you feel like that's something that you see within clients? Or is that something that perhaps you have thoughts about? Like, how can we deal with this to get rid of this um, pushing forward mechanism? Yeah. Um, so I, I, I don't think I've ever worked with a client that didn't have a habit that they either wanted to introduce or um, move away from. Um, and the way we work mm -hmm. through it is through the tiny step process. Um, and there's some great resources um, and books that I would recommend. Uh, uh, Atomic Habits by, I think it's James Clear, mm. I want to say. And uh, Tiny Habits yep. by BJ Fogg. Um, both of those books are phenomenal from a habit perspective mm. um, and how to start changing and transforming the your less effective habits into more effective habits. Uh, wow. uh, and 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 the and without going deep into it, the answer is in doing the tiniest of habits. Um, when someone is looking to mm -hmm. 
when someone is looking to introduce a workout regimen, let's say, um, there's all sorts of different things that research shows us, right? Doing it in this, knowing where exactly you're going to do it, what exactly you're going to do it, what time exactly you're going to do it, and to do it consistently so that it just gets um, programmed into your brain is the best way to introduce it. But when I do this with clients, mm -hmm. I they're only allowed to work out for five minutes. For the first few oh. weeks, it's a five-minute habit. So we decide on what time, what, where, and, and what they're doing. And then I actually only allow them to work out for five minutes. Sometimes it's two minutes. Um, and, all, and they have to keep their, let's say, their workout uh, uh, clothes out, um, shoes out. They have to do that the night before. The habit starts the night before. And then they're allowed to work out for five minutes. And then they go off and take a shower and do their thing. And we do that for two, their, the, for two weeks, sometimes longer. Because all you're trying to do is wire in, as you said, the habit of putting on your work clothes and getting on the treadmill or whatever it is that you your workout whether it's a walk whether it's all you're doing is wiring that in once you wire that in once you're out whether you do five or 30 minutes it all becomes the same the change happens in that millisecond when you say am i going to put those running shoes on yeah right right wow that's cool yeah, and, and also pretty funny that you mentioned the book Atomic Habits. That's actually the second time I hear that book being mentioned on this podcast. So I think that's a sign that I should read it. <laughs> it's a good book. It's a very good book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I'll check it out. Um, I wondered, because this is a very big, important thing that you're doing, and it sounds amazing. It sounds like you really, really, you're very into it, and that's awesome to see. Um, so how did you get started with all of this and why? Uh, how did I get uh, started in coaching or in the neuroscience coaching? Oh, um, okay. let's start with coaching. So, um, as I mentioned, I was in the corporate world. I had started, uh, I, I had, I had been there for about 20, 20 years in business. I, I, whether I, <laughs> let me start that again. <laughs> Um, so yeah. I spent uh, 20 years in business. I started off by uh, co-founding a company and then uh, was recruited into the corporate world where I worked for a global asset management company for about 17 years and four of their different companies and such. And mm -hmm. um, as I mentioned, there came a time where I just did not feel fulfilled or um, aligned with the impact that I wanted to have in the world at that stage. And I left. I decided to leave without much of a plan, uh, which I don't necessarily recommend. But it it was very clear for me that I needed to, to leave if I wanted to find what would come next for me. And so then started a, a process of exploration of it was kind of like starting all over again. What did I enjoy? What did I not? And I really just engaged in anything that felt interesting, that had me just slightly get excited at even if it didn't make sense for me to get a have a business or or um, follow a career in that direction I just engaged in it knowing that 
clarity would come from engagement. It wouldn't come from just being in my head. That actually had to do some stuff in order to figure out what would come next. So I met with a bunch of different mm. people and I met this uh, woman who's now a dear friend of mine, Jackie, and she mentioned she was taking a coaching course. She's going to take a coaching course. She was in a similar situation as I was. She had um, left her corporate executive role and was searching for something else. And I just found her very interesting and intriguing. There was a connection. We had had such a similar experience in our careers. And I decided to take a, that course with her, not thinking ever that I would become a coach. It wasn't part of the plan. I just figured I'm going to learn some useful skills here that I'll apply to whatever I decide to do next. And I still remember at the end of that um, of that course, uh, it was kind of the, the core curriculum for becoming a, a coach. I got to coach the first person I actually didn't know until that point I was coaching friends and, and people I knew and someone had referred me to a friend of theirs that was on the other side of Canada and I had that first coaching experience with someone I didn't know. I hung up and I ran down the stairs to my husband and I said, I figured it out. This is what I'm supposed to do. And I just know clear as day. Mm -hmm. And I could feel that I was having a visceral reaction in my body and decided I was going to do uh, my certification, uh, followed through my, with my certification. But I always, I have an undergrad in science. And so I really believed all of the things that I was learning, but I really had a a genuine appetite and eagerness to learn why. Why does this stuff work? What is it that's happening in, in us that is making us be able to predict how people are going to react in certain situations with some level of certainty? Um, and that's where my, my love and my passion for the neuroscience of uh, coaching um, came alive. And so... Um, I love that aspect. I love working with individuals. Um, I love it when they're looking for something that is uh, aligned with who they want to be and uh, will make them proud of the legacy that they want to leave behind. That, that, that is my sweet spot um, in working with individuals. And if they've got an interest in what is it about the brain that has them act and react in, in different ways, well, then it's a perfect fit. Wow, very cool. And how do you see this? Your your future? Because you probably have a vision <laughs> of how you would like things to turn out. Is there anything specific that you have been thinking about? Like, I want to achieve this. Uh, like, what's your vision? If you want to yeah, share it, of um, course. I don't know that I have a grandiose vision. I I really honestly don't. Um, I am very much focused on what it is that I love in what I'm doing now. And as things intrigue me uh -huh. and interest me, I maintain openness to inviting new things and experiencing them. Um, this podcast is an example. So, you know, just being mm. open to new experiences and being open to um, things that come into our life is uh or even an interest I'll, I'll certainly pursue an interest um once i have the idea of something but i don't have this big vision of where i want to be in 10 years i know i want to going to be doing some of the right. same and i know that it'll evolve with time because it's evolved 
up until this point, it'll continue to do that into the future. Right. Nice. Rare. Wow. So, yeah, and like you said there, you know, uh, you don't need a vision, really. I mean, vision sometimes is, uh, well, for me personally, motivating. For, well, it's difficult, first of all, for me to create a vision when I'm already satisfied mm -hmm. with everything around my life. <laughs> you know, so we got to be able to look at what's already working, what's good right now. Why should I live in the future? I'm living right here and right now, and I love what I'm doing. And if I continue doing this, I'm going to continue to be happy. So that's a perfect mindset right there. Um, when it comes to like uh, personal marketing, etc., do you feel like you want to share something special with the audience, perhaps about you or something, the work that you've done or how they can find you? Is there anything you would like to uh, share? The best way to find me is on my website, uh, which is lisaderocha.com. Um, we are launching a, a new site as well as a new free audio training that has everything to do with finding fulfillment, meaning, and growth in your career, and some of the processes that I actually work with my clients one-on-one -on, -one on. Um, and that'll be coming out later mm -hmm. this this year. So um, that that's what's that's what's coming out. Great. And um, everyone who have been listening, I hope you have enjoyed it and check out that website. And um, I've learned a lot of cool things in this uh, episode, I have to say, and it's been a pleasure talking to you. And I hope that you enjoyed it as well. And you're very welcome to join another episode in the future if you would like because I bet that we can go even deeper into certain yeah. topics. Well, I thank you so much for the opportunity <laughs> to to talk to you, Daniel. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Great. Thank you very much. And everyone listening, thank you as well. And remember, if you enjoyed this podcast, make sure that you subscribe to it on uh, Spotify, as well as uh, on Apple Podcaster. Check out my Instagram, Conscious Motivations. Check out the website, ConsciousMotivations.org. And as always, remember to stay conscious.